Welcome to the Sojourners Podcast. We are your hosts, John Adidon Littlejohn. Josh Buys. And we are two fellow travelers on the same journey asking the question, can I see what you see? So today we got a we got a, a hefty subject that we're going to try to just, you know, at least wake people up to if you don't know about it. And if you do know about it, maybe give some insights or give voice to some of the things that you may already be thinking about. Uh, there's a big problem in the Western church in the fact that we are losing millennials of color at the greatest rate that we have um, as far as it's been recorded. Right now, uh, out of the millennial generation, 25% of them have zero affiliation with any religion. And that is almost double the number of the generation that Josh and I are from. I think we were called Generation X, something like that. Uh, but, you know, different, just kind of like the generation before the millennials. Um, so that just goes to show that we, we have lost a lot of people. And um, this has been addressed in, in culture and in, in movies and in articles. We're going to bring up two of them uh, and use those as sort of talking points to have this discussion about why it is that we may be losing this a very important part of the church. Uh, we're going to use the movie, one of the movies that we're going to use, sorry, the only movie we're going to use is called Dear White People. It's uh, written and directed by Justin Simeon. And we also have uh, a really uh, recent article that just came out called Looking for Ancient African Religion, Try Christianity. And it's by Ernest Cleo Grant II. Um, so if you haven't seen this movie, Dear White People, and there's, there's two of them. One is like a series on Netflix. And then there's the movie, which which came first. And they're both directed by the same guy, Justin Simeon. But it's a movie about, uh, there's this college called Westchester University. And it's sort of this, this all this tension between the students, the black students on campus, the white students, the, the, the dean, uh, and the president of the university, and sort of wrestling through racial tensions. And they have a lot of characters that represent maybe some, some um, you know, characteristics of millennials and people of that, that generation. And so they show sort of the complexity. This movie does a really great job of showing some of the complexities of, you know, what people may wrestle with while also trying to take on these humongous issues of race and representation and equality uh, while just trying to grow up and live, which probably represents, you know, a lot of the millennials. Uh, we both have watched the movie. Josh, when you saw the title, Dear White People, as a white person, uh, how did that, like, what did you, like, how did it strike you? You know, it, it, it didn't really bother me. Um, I, I do understand, you know, uh, even in having conversations with you, John, you know, that it has bothered a number of people. Um, but for me, it doesn't, the title doesn't really bother me. Um, it, it, uh, it, it's obvious that hey there's a message you know here we want to get out that maybe hasn't been heard before um and so uh but i do understand and i think it's something we'll we'll probably touch on a number of times today there's this idea that um we're so easily kind of offended in the moment we're offended um you know we shut off mm -hmm. the listening and then of course we we get nowhere um and so uh you know for me um even where I stand, you know, 
um, even watching the movie, right? And the the reason, you know, it's the, the title is Dear White People, but there's you know there's a character um, in the movie who has this radio show basically, and she just says these things, these quips, you know, to kind of try to illuminate how white people have misunderstood uh, what's going on uh, in in the African American community. Um, and uh, even for me, you know, the, the first couple of times, you know, they say something, you want to, you know, take some offense to it. Uh, but the idea is that that's the whole point. When we take offense, we stop listening. Um, and so it's very important for me, you know, to, to even myself to fight against that urge to, to you know, to take it personally. Because it's, it's, it's not a personal attack. It's simply, this is how it's going. This is how we feel. Will you hear what we're saying? Um, and so obviously there's a lot of people, uh, you know, in the Caucasian white community who decided not to even watch the movie because they were personally offended by the title. By the title, right. So therefore we have no real deeper understanding of what's happening. Right, right. The um, Just to give a little bit of a summary, Josh started already. For those who haven't seen it, I mean, you know, I guess we should give spoiler alerts, although I don't think the... The story is like a big shocking story. It's more of how they go through the story that's important. But you do have um, Dear White People is a radio show, and it's it's run by um, a girl named Sam, Samantha White, who's played by Logan Browning. And um, it's called Dear White People is the radio show, and it's on this campus of this kind of Ivy League-type university. There's a like a black housing... Uh, I don't know if it's a dorm or like a, just a house, or, but... Um, there's sort of this, this like between media, there's a sort of war between, there's a, a big comedy, I don't know if it's a newspaper called Pastiche that's run by the president's son, who is white. Uh, and then there's also, um, there is a, uh, the radio show, which is, you know, Samantha. And then there's this sort of, this, uh, this house, this dorm that's full of people of color. And they, they're sort of fighting for these spaces on this campus. And it all sort of culminates in this party where the white kids at the party dress up in like blackface, uh, hip hop, you know, African, like Afro wigs. And it becomes like, and then, then the, the, the black kids get to the party and it becomes this confrontation. Um, and so it all sort of culminates there. So that's, and then it, it sort of weaves through, you know, a lot of the complexities that lead it to that. It's a, I think it's a worthwhile watch. We should just give a um, a notice and say that this is not a movie for kids, uh, and and it does have some like mature you know um, themes in it, and uh, so you know just be if if those are triggers you know then then we maybe you shouldn't watch it maybe you should listen to our discussion, but uh, but if if those aren't things that trigger you, uh, I think it's a really important watch because it does give voice to how many people may feel. So one of the ways we'll we'll talk through it is we'll just you know maybe throw out some quotes from the movie, and, and then just discuss them. So um, one of the ones that stuck out to me, you know, was the, the the Dean Fairbanks, and he has this quote where he's talking to Lionel. Lionel's like a a character who he's he's half black, half white, and he's um, conflicted. He doesn't fit in with the black kids on campus. 
and he doesn't fit in with the with the white kids on campus either. And so he's the dean is even trying to help him sort of figure out where he fits. And so uh, he's talking to Lionel and he says, Winchester is like jazz, the interplay of improvised solos all creating one song. And that quote really popped out to me, you know, especially as a musician. And I should say, side note, like movie has a great soundtrack. It's like uh, full of classical music, jazz, Latin. You're, um, it's got, you know, soul music in there. It's got, you know, just, just all these different styles in there, which which was cool. And it, it, I think it reflects that all these different people who are trying to wrestle through all these issues are actually um, improvising it. Like they've never lived before. You know, they're taking on things that have been taken on for years, yet they're also just trying to pass their classes, get good grades. And I think that's something that, you know, when we look at millennials, that is important to notice that these are actually people who are living life for the first time and they're wrestling through everything the first time. They're just trying to make it like we, you know, for those who are older, like we did when we were their age. And I think that understanding does have to be there when we talk into that space of millennials. And I also felt like that quote set up, set up the movie to be able to have us look at these characters as more nuanced people. So that's one of the quotes that popped out to me. Uh, what's something that stuck out to you, Josh? Yeah, I mean, the, the movie itself uh, just uh, has has a lot of uh, a lot of depth to it, um, a lot of depth of character. Um, coming from a uh, you know a drama background myself, I felt like that was really good. They were layered, um, you know, while they were setting stereotypes, they were also fighting against stereotypes at the same time. So right, they were showing right. how you know there are these stereotypes do exist within you know the the African American community community and then also within that the, the the white community there and and um and so i thought they did a good job of that i'll say that that uh, you know they they showed what would obviously from the outside be a stereotype um, but then they were able to dig a little bit deeper so there was some complexity to us understanding that you know you you may fit a certain category broadly um mm-hmm. but that there's always everybody's a real person uh, and has their own struggle within the midst of it. For me, the the biggest um, piece of it for me was being a, you know, a, a you know a, a white guy growing up in a community that was mostly full of you know Dutch white people. Um, you know, uh, I, I gravitated most to kind of listening to what was coming out of this guy's mouth, uh, the president's son, the, the, the leader of the, the, the pastiche house or whatever it, it was. And, and just listening to some of the things that he said um, are just things that I've heard. Now, the difference is that he said them out loud, like hmm. two uh, African-American students were, you know, I come from a very different kind of place where we would say those things quietly and privately but never out loud <laughs> right um, you talking about uh kurt fletcher who's played by kyle gallner yeah yeah so um you know he says at one point when they're uh they're in the they're in the um i forget what we should know what that house is called but anyways yeah, yeah, they're, they're in that house and uh and he's eating um lunch there and you know why what they're asking you know the 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 uh, Sam and her group of, of cronies, I don't know, her group yeah. of people, 
uh, they're all they're all talking about just the African American experience, basically, is what right. they're doing, and right. talking about you know the different things that they have to deal with. And this guy, uh, Kurt Fletcher, is that we decided what the same was? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So this guy, he he turns around and he says he doesn't buy it. He says that right. the hardest thing to be in America now with affirmative action and everything else going on is being a white man, right? Right, the, right, right. Because right, now right. all of the advantages. <laughs> Right, have been given um, to to the African American community with right. affirmative action and everything like right. that. And so, for me, um, you know, you would like to say, "Oh, that's just you know, th- that's just the really racist people who would say something like that." But the reality is, it, it's not. Um, you know, there's I can say from my own experience, many people, even you know, within my own family, within my own circles, would would have echoed, parroted that. Uh, sentiment that you know the world is changing at such a fast rate that it's 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 trying to make up for whatever it's tried to make up for and we're all you know we're all uh, us us white guys we're the ones that are really getting the, the raw end of the deal now right 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 and and it's it's interesting because watching that movie you just see how ignorant that statement is um, and now I've known that for a while now I mean my my um, my heart has been changed greatly, you know, from where the way I was raised to where I am now. But that really, I felt like it was really good that they used that um, and and just said it because I think it's very very true. It's a very it's a it's a well thought sentiment, I guess. In, in the that many people may feel yeah, like, absolutely white guys. So how would what would you say to somebody who is feeling that way? to help them sort of bridge the gap to like what I would say is more reality. But, um, but I mean, you know, just from, from that feeling, which is very real for them uh, to like, you know, being able to see where they might be missing something. I think we take things very personally. And so then we have to defend ourselves. Hmm. So if we can divide ourselves from our race for just a minute right, right. and, and just listen um and, and and say okay listen like why we actually like like when you make that sentiment known what you're saying is that i don't affirm or believe what you're saying um instead i think it's this way um and and you're saying you're saying you don't really want to listen to what someone else is 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 putting out there and i think the reason we do that is because we come like i was trying to talk about earlier we become personally offended now you have the, an African American person saying that um, that they've been oppressed, racially oppressed, and then you say, "Well, I am I am not racially oppressive. I I don't do those right. sorts of I don't things. Personally I'm not like that." Somebody. So now right. you're trying to put me in a group of people that I'm not. And by the way, I've seen a lot of people try to do good things for you know the African American community, right. and you know. Let me defend all of us white people because we've tried to do some really good things for you, and you're just not even receiving them. You just want to, you know, complain about it. But I'm not like that. And I think the issue is, is and I and I've gone through this many, many times, you know, in my life and thought through these things many times, um, because you know I, I would say, well, I never, I never owned slaves, and and my family never owned slaves, and my family were just right. immigrants that came after right, slavery, right. Like, and we weren't, and we had nothing and... when we got right, here. We right, had right, nothing. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and so why are you bringing it again? And the problem is, is that I don't know. And John, you can tell me this, but this is the mm. way that I feel about this. I think, you know, 
I don't see the African American community asking me to apologize to them. Like no, I did yeah. something. But I think that's what it gets into. It's not that I need to, and that's what I start thinking. Well, do I need to apologize for all the things that everybody else did that I was never? No, what we need to apologize is the fact that we're not acknowledging that that existed. Right, exactly. So what we need to do is just acknowledge, listen, there actually is a system of oppression that has been in place in this country for a very long time that has negatively affected the African-American community and still does to this day, whereas my family, my aunt, my ancestors would have come, they would have been given opportunities for, for with land and everything. And they might have had nothing, but they would have been given opportunities that the African-American community would have never, ever had. And opportunity, opportunity hmm. is huge. Right. And so for me, for, for me to say, to not even acknowledge that I gain certain advantages simply because of the color of my skin is for me to be disingenuous. Now, I don't have to apologize that my family made it. I don't have to apologize that I came through Mm. some rough stuff. I don't have to apologize that I had those advantages, but I need to recognize that you didn't. And then as a brother or as a sister say, I am sorry that you weren't given the same advantages as me. I I am thankful. I am grateful that I got them. But I recognize that you didn't. Is there something we can do now to start working towards some things so that you and your children and their children don't have to experience the same inequalities that you did? It's not my fault that I was given these advantages. It's not my, but I acknowledge that I was. I don't have to apologize that I was given them because I didn't seek out to get them, but I do need to acknowledge that they were a part of what made me who I am. And it would only be fair for you and for your children to get the same advantages that I currently have. And if I won't even listen, if I won't even acknowledge that that could have been your experience, then I can't even work with you to see if it could be different. And that's, I think that's, if I'm, if I listen carefully when John and I talk, when I talk to other people, what, what we want is an acknowledgement that this is real. Right. And then we can deal with the rest of it. And you don't have to take it personally. It's not my fault. Right. But I did get some advantages. And so I don't have to apologize for them, but I do have to acknowledge them. And then I can start having a real conversation because at least we're talking about the same thing. Yes, I got some advantages. Yes, you got some disadvantages. How do we move forward from here? Bro, that is, that's a word right there. Like... (laughs) The most, I think... Uh, like I agree with everything you just said and I think the most important part that people miss that you just said is what can we do about it now like it's not just enough to, it's good to recognize that yes because of the systems in place you know African Americans uh, and people from the African di- diaspora around the world really it's not just African Americans have gotten a raw shake you know and, and sort of didn't have the same beginning and opportunities as other people so we got some you know bouncing back to do but then some people just leave it there, but then in the spaces that are diverse, don't actually put any action towards working for something different. Um, there's actually a really uh, amazing woman named Latasha Morrison, uh, Latasha Morrison, Latasha Morrison, and she runs an organization called Be the Bridge. It's a black woman who uh, works in a predominantly white church, but all of her work is involved around going around to different churches and helping people to be to bridge different cultures. And she said the number one, I heard her in an interview, 
on a podcast called Truth Table. And she said that uh, one of the biggest issues that um, they have to get over before being able to bridge, especially black and white culture, is to get the white congregants to at least acknowledge that there is a white privilege and that just from being born white, there is a space that is different that they exist in than somebody uh, who is not white born into this country. And she said, if they don't actually acknowledge that at some point, then it's almost impossible to build that bridge. But if they do acknowledge that, then they find that they can even open up the conversation. They don't have to apologize for it. They don't have to, you know, um, take on the responsibility and say that, you know, like, uh, like, you know, for slave owners, but they do need to at least be be willing to acknowledge that there is a real difference here. Um, and I think actually this thing about being seen and being heard is, I would say, is the main theme of the movie. Um, there's this character, Sam, that we've been talking about. And actually, I, I should correct, I misquoted. I gave the actress from the series, but it's actually the actress from the movie is Tessa Thompson. She did a great job. But uh, she's one of the big points of conflict is that she's kind of like the leader of the black revolution, but she's on the side seeing this Caucasian uh, TA uh, named Gabe. And, and so they're, they're having this relationship, you know, in a sort of a secret way. But out of all the characters in the movie, the black community that she's leading don't really see her. They're trying to just put her in this role that she tries to carry for a little bit, but after a while gets overwhelmed by because she's having some personal issues. You know, she's improvising. She's trying to figure out how to deal with a sick father. And then on the other side, you have Pastiche, sort of the rival um, media, you know, uh, outlet. And they're trying to get back at her because of the confrontation they had in the cafeteria. Um, and so she's sort of caught in between and nobody's really actually seeing her as a person. And this character, Gabe, actually sees her and tells her you're the type of person who you know you're not as into hip-hop as you appear you also like taylor swift and starts to show the nuance of her character and she actually ends up sort of staying with him more throughout the movie than all the different people who are pulling her in different directions and i feel like one of the reasons that we are losing this generation is because we don't see them we don't hear them we talk to them you know we 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 try our best to like educate them and grow them up and maybe give them what we didn't have, but we don't see them. And I think sometimes seeing somebody is not just seeing who they tell you that they are. I think we do a good job with this generation in churches. I don't know if, uh, if, if you feel the same way, Josh, but I find in youth groups, we do a good job of sitting them down and saying, what do you think? But like to see somebody, it doesn't really come from asking them what they think it's actually being around them and observing them and using especially you know the holy spirit inside of you uh for christians to use the holy spirit and look at them and say okay what do i actually see here and sometimes you can put a voice to something that they feel but don't even know how to express so i, I thought that was one of the big themes one of the other you know quotes that that stuck out to me in the movie was um about this theme was De Dean Fairbanks is the dean of the school and his son is Troy and he's trying to put all this pressure for his son Troy to be this, you know, black leader. And Troy is just trying to sort of just make it, you know, and trying to navigate it, but he really doesn't want this leadership role. And his dad tells him that the men who really run this world, you've got no idea what they see when they see you. You are not going to be 
who they all think you are. Basically saying you have no room in this life to mess up. You don't have any room to fail. You don't have any room to be anything but a success because if you give any room for this, the men who really run this world, and he's talking about, you know, in this situation, he's talking about white men. He's saying you're going to give them a way to just cancel you and you can't give them any room. So you don't have room to be you. And then you see this kid in the movie sort of breaking down <laughs> and swimming and lost. Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, I just thought that was, I thought that was just a big theme. Like the, the point of being seen, you know, um, I could go on all about it. I guess you better jump in if you got something you want to say. No, I, I just, I, I, think, I think that, I think you are seeing that the, the stereotypes exist. Like that's why there is a stereotype. I think the problem, like when you watch this movie, the problem is that you see now these kids trying to fit into a stereotype. Right. But recognizing that they actually don't. And <laughs> right, so then right. the confusion is, how can I be, you know, a, a black man, right? And still like this, and still like that, right. and still do this. And how can... that? I think that's the wrestle, and I think we're, we're finding... This is a, a situation, they do talk some, and there's they're, they're sexuality in this, and everything else. And, but I think that's the whole thing, even now as a, as a society we're dealing with gender. I, we've so narrowly defined what things are, mm. that then you have these millennials coming along and going, I don't necessarily fit in these categories but i want to have some value some worth you see it right, you see right. it wrestled in sam you see it she wrestles through it like you know she has to carry the torch because if she doesn't who will but at the same time feeling like a hypocrite because she's got these other feelings going on and then you got troy and he's like right. i want to i want to you know i want to do everything that my my dad wants right but there are some things i just like to do there's some things there's this person who i am that i want to be and i can't be both right and so then right. you trap people, and that's why they go, well, listen, if this is what I have to be to be a Christian, or if this is what I have to be to be right. a man, or if this is what I have to be to be this, they go, I don't want it. Right. Because that's not who I am. So the stereotypes that we've begun to very mm. define so well in our society right. is now, like, it's trapping these kids. And then they're wrestling through it, and then right. the behaviors that come out of it are just ridiculous. Yeah. And like, Troy is such an interesting character for this, because... Exactly what you're talking about. Like, he doesn't get space to be him. He's trying to be these stereotypes, but he's trying to be different stereotypes in one person. Right. And he's breaking down, so he ends up smoking weed in the bathroom, like, secretly, because that's, like, the only way he's trying to cope. And isn't that, I mean, let's be real, isn't that something we see, right? These kids yeah. who are doing great in church, then you find out, like, they're smoking weed, they're having sex, they're doing these things to try to just cope and just try to, like, get through life. And they're broken. They know they're, they know they're wrong. They don't feel great about it. You know, uh, but they hide it because they feel like I don't get a space to be broken or be, be me. Yeah. So this, the different places this guy's is. There's that scene where they call him an, an oofta, which is an oofta. I love that they brought that word up because this is old word. It's an old jazz word, and it's a it's a black person who plays up their blackness for white people. So maybe they're not as black as the people around them. Uh, may want them to be and they sense that and they sort of play it up and i see this a lot in canada i see a lot of black people <laughs> who didn't grow up in the hood didn't grow up in the you know and they try to play it up to be extra hard extra tough and 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 maybe they feel like if they're not that if they're not the black people that people are used to seeing that they're going to be rejected so they try to play it up so he's doing that then he's making the power grab by dating the president's daughter they only show her a little bit 
and she's a pretty I don't know I found her a pretty annoying character but <laughs> but he's he's not in love with her he kind of has a thing for Sam sort of but who he ends up having same thing a broken sort of secret relationship with is this really um, another nuanced character named Calandria who goes by the name Coco and uh, she's played by Tiana Paris also does a really great job but uh, she is a black girl with a ghetto name who is also not seen because there's even a scene where she's at a party and she sees these two white guys waving at her and she's thinking, wow, somebody sees me finally. And they're waving at two white girls behind her. And so she's <laughs> looking dumb, you know, because she's... <laughs> and so they show that she's not seen. And so she goes over the top. She puts out YouTube videos and does all this stuff to just try to be seen. And then these two people are at this party playing up their roles. She's trying to be, you know, who she's decided to be in order to be seen, which is not her true personality, but just the controversial girl. He's trying to be the extra black guy at the white party. And then there's a scene where they see each other. And they look across and they go, oh. And then from that connection of just seeing each other and sort of having some sort of conversation about their fakeness and how they're both playing up these roles, they end up in a relationship together. And isn't she the one, she keeps saying something like she's going to find her Brad Pitt or something? I don't know what. Yes. It's some, some, I, I, it probably isn't Brad Pitt, but it is something along those lines, right? Like, yeah. And so it's very interesting because you have these these two these two um, women, Sam and, and Coco. And Sam is trying so hard to be, you know, yeah. <laughs> the, the strong, the strong um, black woman who has the strong black man, right? Like right. She's, she, she's trying to fill that stereotype. And then you have Coco who's trying so hard to, to do what she, she, you know, she wants, which is to show that she can go, go across these boundaries. Right. And right, then right. you watch as both of them are then drawn to the exact opposite space. Yes. And it's, where it's trying to represent. so That's interesting true. because it's, it's like you, you, you start to see, you know, that, that when we stop trying to be something, right. like uh, you just you, you gravitate to the people that that see you, as you said, that 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 right. that will that will take time to know you. Um, it's it's very it's it's a deep it's a it's a deeply um, flawed and um, kind of tragic picture uh, of how they see themselves. Or how they yeah. want others to see them, and then who they really are. Like it's it's very it, you see it come out, um, right, and they get right, trapped right. like it, right. it, between doing what they think everybody wants them to do, and doing what you know. Like, this is a, such a millennial term. Their heart tells them to do. Yes, <laughs> but uh, but that they're that that the real people aren't actually interacting with each other. It's right. very interesting. That is, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's, there's so much great social commentary in this movie. Though, to me, the representation of the church, even though, I like, let's be real, I, I don't think when they made this movie, they were, like, making it to fit our conversation. We're making the movie fit our conversation because, you know, we're because looking through we the can, lens. Because, because it's our can. podcast. That's right. Hey. So. <laughs> but, I mean, I think this movie actually captures this millennial... You know, um, some of the themes that I hear about when talking to, to, you know, people from the ages, I'd say millennials, maybe like 18 through 29-ish, I don't know. It's hard to put an age on. Even the title millennial is super subjective, but we're just using it for purposes of this show to try to capture the name of this age group that's missing in the church. Um, but to me, Westchester, the school, 
represents the Western church for our conversation purposes. So there's, there's this thing that keeps being coming out from the dean and the president. This is one of the few places they agree on <laughs> uh, because there's even a racial sort of war between the two of them that they kind of keep alluding to and a power grab, you know, as we talked about that the dean is then trying to play through his son. But um, there's this thing of like, at Westchester, we do this. Here we do this. And it's sort of like what's implied is like, if you don't fit this, then you should look for a different place to be. And I think, you know, it's like, if you don't like it, you can leave. Even though it's not said explicitly, when you keep saying, here we do this, and here we're this type of person, and then you're looking at yourself as a person going to this school and going that I'm not that kind of person, what's implied is I don't fit. In the church, we go, here at this church, we do this. As Christians, we do X, Y, Z. And some of those things are true, and some of those are cultural. I think we got to wade through those. But if I'm a young person in the church feeling more nuanced than what's being presented to me, and what you're, what you're essentially telling me is that you don't fit here, so either change the way you are all the way or leave. And so we're seeing that they're choosing the second option, which is to leave. Um, and, I mean, there, I thought, you know, there's this article that we talked about at the beginning, and maybe this is a good time to bring it in, where it talks about looking for an ancient African religion, try Christianity. And in this one, he actually talks about, you know, um, the allure when people are leaving, especially young millennials of color, they are actually going more towards the people that they see that seem to see them. You know, so if I'm if I'm in the hood, like if I were to go into, you know, Baltimore around Lexington Market, I'm going to see a brother in a trench coat with, you know, like selling bean pies, like sharply dressed, you know, from the nation of Islam. Uh, and he's going to be telling me about some stuff. And he's right in my neighborhood. He's on the street. He is where I'm shopping. He's not. I don't have to go into a church to see him. And so they're running into these people and they're finding out, oh, these are like religions that go, you know, to Africa, you know, they're, they're from Africa. And then they're also being told by seeing white Jesus and seeing everybody in the Bible being white, that this is a white man's religion and that the white man enslaved your people. And so you're enslaved by following Christianity. And this whole idea of being woke is this idea of like awakening to the fact that you're, you know, you're being oppressed and you need to wake up to who you really are which means you need to look back to Africa. So people are going back to these religions. And he brings up, uh, the author brings up this really great fact, you know, uh, which is that black, the quote is from a book that he cites called uh, Black Belief, Folk Beliefs of Blacks in America and West Africa by Henry H. Mitchell. And he quotes it saying that black faith in America is a carryover from traditional African religious practices. That, you know, if you look at the Bible, if you look at the tradition, you know, the history of Christianity, it actually would go back to Africa. And when African slaves came over here, they wouldn't have come with no religious history. And he's saying and, and actually proves that the, 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 the religions that they came over here with, some of them would have been actual Christianity or religions that have been sort of based on ideas of Christianity. So it wasn't that they were totally blank slates that were taught, you know, uh, Christianity by the slave owner. Now, there was some of that going on. There was some twisting of the word and there was, you know, like using the word to to abuse. That did happen. But it wasn't like they didn't have it before they came either. And I think that's part of the reason why the black church in the United States has stayed with Christianity 
why there is a black church that is so strong is because he's saying that the, the, the roots of the black church in America don't actually come from slave masters. Um, I think if people knew this, like, I think this is an important point because I feel like if, if we have these conversations of young millennials were to look at Christianity and say, actually, these things that I'm thinking about and talking about, they are actually addressed in this religion. They are actually relevant and they are actually part of Christian history. There wouldn't be this allure. But when they constantly walk into a church where they don't see themselves, where they're not listened to, where there's, you know, no music that they can connect with, there's no diversity, you know, uh, in worship styles, all these things that we talk about at different times on this podcast, when the pictures on the wall are of a white Jesus, when, you know, we watch movies that continue to show Egyptians and, and Africans and biblical people as white people, you know, and we have a whole episode about this called iconography, so we won't go through all that right now. But when they see this, I think we are telling them that, you know, you don't belong. And then when they look outside of that, you know, on Instagram, um, you know, the, the, the three people, the three religions that are sort of, you know, pulling away young millennials of color are the Nation of Islam, the Moorish Science Temple of America, and the Black Hebrew Israelites. And the Black Hebrew Israelites and the Moorish Science Temple of America, they use Instagram and all these things. There's all these like memes out there. And these kids are being bombarded with, you know, this religion is not for you. And you need to go back to Africa to find yourself, you know. And, and I think that is the fault of the Western church a bit, that we haven't done a good job of showing that representation. Yeah, I think if we're going to have this discussion, you have to take a moment. I think what the article says and, 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 and makes very clear is that for most African traditional religions, there is this idea of a supreme creator who is good. And that what the gospel does is that the gospel clarifies who that creator is. And that the gospel clarifies how that creator, who's been separated, this is very, very important, from the creation in many ways, is brought near to, to, to them once again through Jesus Christ. So that what, what, the, what they're saying is that, the, that even that, that Christianity would have moved into northern Africa and other places, which it did. Let's face mm -hmm. it, so many of the manuscripts we have come from the Ethiopian right. spaces. They come from Africa, folks. And they were brought to Africa yeah. by Africans. Yes, and so then here's, here's the thing is that the, um, that the gospel then clarifies what was already known. It clarifies and makes it clear, and yes, strips away some of the uh, traditions and strips away some of the ideas, but it, what it does is it, it cements what's mm -hmm. true in those things. And what right. the pro here's the problem, I think, if we're, we're taking an overarching look at this. As the church in North America, we've gone through many iterations, many changes, many things that have you know changed because there was a lot of abuses or these other things that happened or we abused through slavery or whatever it may be. And then we've boiled it down and we go, okay, well, we're not the white church. We're a Baptist church or we're this church or we're that church. Uh, so we're not trying to be white. We're just being Baptist. This is what Baptists do. What we haven't been able to, to, to understand, I don't think, is that we have things that are culturally tied to the gospel that we have now made the gospel. Mm -hmm. And we can't mm -hmm. see which, mm -hmm. where... So right. let me put it That's to you good. this way. So even in ancient Israel, okay, 
and you read the Bible. I just reading in Second Kings um, the other day, and it, it tells the the prophet to go and anoint Hazael to be the king of the Arameans, who isn't an Israelite and isn't in Israel, which means that God was moving hmm. outside of Israel. You read the Old Testament, right. it'll tell you that God was using other rulers, that he was speaking to other people. He was doing all these things at the exact same time that he was Lord in Israel. And here is the thing, is that, you know, if you look through the Bible, El, El, hmm. which, we, which is God in the Old Testament, El was recognized around the other places as part of the Canaanite, and I know this makes us very uncomfortable, but the reality is what God did with Israel, if you look at it, is he clarified what was already thought. So he clarified who El really was. So when you read the Bible, it says, well, they're the God of the, the, he's the God of the hills, and we have, we're a God, we have the God of the valleys, because that's the way they were seeing El. Right? Mm, right, but God proved by defeating them, and He did that with with Ahab defeating them in the valley, that He was God over all things. Which is why at one point He, when when Moses says, "When I say who sent me," He says, "I am." So yes, they they're seeing. I'm going to clarify who they're calling El, but mm-hmm. I'm not El exactly. Right. I'm Yahweh. And so here's here's the problem: is that we're not recognizing. That while God was speaking in Europe and speaking in um, America to these white people, he was also speaking in Africa and talking and moving right. in Africa and preparing them to receive the same gospel. Right. And then what was happened with the church is that because we've married culture and the gospel so closely, now we do have a white church gospel. And folks, there is a white church gospel, right. whether you right. want to believe it or not. And it's not as oppressive as it once was. But let me try to say this from, this is the best way I can I can show it, because what my experience is with the native community hmm. on hmm. Vancouver Island. Right. And what happened when the church came, and yes, I know it's a broad term and everybody wants to listen again. Don't take it personally. Don't get your hackles up. Listen to, the, listen to it. When the church came, what they said to this native community was that everything that you have is of the devil. Hmm. Now, if you know native religion, you realize that they recognize a creator. They even recognize a savior. Now, are some of the concepts twisted? Yes, because the, it, the, there's, a, there's kind of an addictive, manipulative God in all of this, and that's not the God we know. But they're already recognizing that there is an, a, a creator and that there is a savior who actually loves people. Mm-hmm. And so what the gospel can do is they can take all of these things and it can clarify it and it can make it real. It can make it true. It can show the, shine the light on what they were grasping for. Right. But instead, the church came and said, everything you ever believed, everything that you ever saw, all of your culture, even your language is of the devil. And the reason I say this is because I've spoken to, to, to people who have been in the residential mm. schools, and they said when they use their native tongue, hmm. their mouth was washed out Come with on. soap, and they said they're using the devil's tongue. Now listen to what I'm saying here, because it's very important, because it, it illuminates all of these other things. What you said is that everything that was them is evil, right. but everything that you've brought is good. Well, here's the problem. Now we're sitting in a church that's still based off of these same fundamental beliefs and saying that all of your cultures are wrong because only a Jesus culture is the right culture. And you know what? That's true. The problem is the North American church has not recognized 
okay, that they are culturally bound as well. Right. So they haven't separated right. these two That's pieces. Good. So once again, the church doesn't have to sit here and apologize for all these different things. What the church needs to apologize for is not listening, right. is not seeing that God moved the whole time, that God is the redeemer of all things. Yeah, you know what? Slavery is a terrible thing, but God didn't sleep on slavery. He didn't mm-hmm. sleep. He was preparing people to receive the gospel even before they got there. And even when they were in Africa, before they even right. got here, they received the and that's, gospel. I think that's an and important point. That, God was preparing the native people yeah. to receive the gospel. Right. And he was speaking but to like, them. African Christianity predates the African slave trade in the United States. Like, of just, course just it put does. that out there. Because like, I think there's just that idea that they just didn't have it. Go ask, just go do a search on, on the different manuscripts that were used to, right. to, 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 even, to even, you know, write the Bible that we use now and see where a majority of those manuscripts came from. Maybe not a majority, but a number of those manuscripts came from Africa. Right. Which means that That's Christianity right. existed in Africa before slavery in North America was even a thing. Right. Yep. So yep. To, to, to believe that everybody that came from Africa had never heard the gospel is, is just the kind of story we want to sell hmm. to make sure that we can keep justifying that, that, that it's, it's all a, 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 a Cretan religion yeah. that, that came, you know, and that we saving, we're saving everybody with our gospel. And the problem is that that negates the idea that God was all the time working in Africa, all the time working in North America, preparing people's hearts and minds, no matter across the world. Let's put it that way. South America, they had a lot of these issues in South America. Right. A lot of these issues everywhere that's been colonized. This idea that God wasn't preparing people in every corner of the world to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ is ludicrous, right. arrogant. It's, it's, this, it's this idea <laughs> that now, now you're going to come and, and see it never was even a, a white man's religion. Religion. It was. I mean, Jesus wasn't even a white man. This is the whole right. ludicrousy of this whole thing. But we haven't seen how we've tied it so closely that now Christianity can be viewed as the white man's religion when it's not supposed to be the white man's religion. I mean, that's exactly what Paul says. That neither Jew nor Greek. It is actually somewhere in the center. But when Paul, this is a great idea. When Paul goes and 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 he clarifies. He says, "Oh, you have an idol. You have a you have a you know an idol for the unknown god, a space for the right. unknown god, and you've been worshiping this. Well, let me clarify this for you. He doesn't first say to them, "Now let me tell you why all of your stuff is all wrong, and you're all you know right. you know you're all going to hell because of all of this stuff you got. You got to get rid of all of your idols. You got to get." He what he says is he affirms what was good. He affirms where God was speaking into their lives. He affirms that, and he says, let's build off of this thing, this right. thing that you already know. It would be the same thing. Was you guys, These people who came from Africa already knew that there was a creator, already knew that there was a need for a savior. They already knew these things. Let's affirm that piece of it. This is, this is African ancient religion yeah. clarified by the gospel. The native mm, people, they knew a good. creator. That's they good. knew that there was a savior, and the gospel clarifies it. And so their church service may look a little bit different. The way that they sing, the way they do these things, it may look a little bit different, but God prepared their hearts for it. They were ready to receive it, and then we got in the way of it, and we're still getting in the way of it, saying, no, 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 this style of music, and that that's right. not Christian, and this isn't Christian, because why? Because because the Bible tells us what style of music Jesus prefers? Right, exactly. It doesn't. The Bible came with a CD soundtrack, yeah, so we does, know what it sounds like. like. This is, this no, is, it's this ridiculous. Is the, let's affirm 
right. where God has been speaking in different communities across the right. world throughout the course of history. And then we can say this is where the gospel right. clarifies the thing you've That's been good. grasping for. I we think it's important to be clear that, I mean, I don't, and, and, you know, I don't think we're saying here that Christianity is sort of a culmination of everybody's belief and you sort of come up with something. There is actually a point that is truth, but that truth is contained inside of God. And it's not in one person or one culture. And I do think, you know, I do think there is a point where we have to look at it and go, okay, does this line up with the Bible? And do we even understand the Bible that we're lining it up to? You know, so there has to be that space of like theological engagement with others and also with the Bible and the Holy Spirit revealing, you know, um, the, the life and the meaning in the Bible. But also it's like a, there has to be this space to say, is this thing just against the culture that I'm used to or is it against the Bible? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the line that you have to draw in churches. And I think some of the lines that we've drawn, we like to say that it's a Christian line or a biblical line. And back in my day, we used to and we would have never done this. And, you know, you just can't have this in church and these kind of, kind of things. This kind of music doesn't fit in church as if a genre is in the Bible, like you just said, you know, I think we draw lines that are cultural, but we act like they're religious. We act like they're, um, maybe religious, not the right word. We act like they're God drawn lines. I, I don't think we act. That's the problem. Yeah. We just actually truly believe That's it. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And this is the, this is the issue. Like we actually yeah. truly believe it. When you ask somebody, where's that in the Bible? They go, it's there. Right. <laughs> right. And they don't even know. <laughs> Show me where it says... You know what I mean? Like, and then they, then they then they draw the line. They pull up a couple of scriptures that are like really vague, and they make them fit everything. There's a couple of those, like, you know, uh, and, and you know, to be honest. And then the, then then a lot of young people have bad theology too, so they yeah. throw all scriptures like "Don't judge" or whatever. Like, they don't even understand the right. scripture. You don't know me. You don't know me. Yeah, like Only the Bible God says, "Don't judge. judge." Only God can judge me. Like, no, that's DMX, bro. Like, <laughs> that's not the Bible. What, that's we, DMX. what we're seeing is the very thing that this movie was showing us which was that when we create stereotypes and then people go, I don't fit, then they chafe and they go. And so what we've done is we've created a stereotype of what a Christian looks Mm, like, mm -hmm, what a Christian mm -hmm. acts like. Well, I guess the acting is probably good, but, you know, what they sing, uh, we've made a stereotype of what a church looks like. We've made a stereotype. We've done that. And then when people go, well, I don't fit in that, so I must be, I must, I must not be a Christian. Right. And what are some ways that we do it? Let's throw out some examples. So I'll, I'll throw out a big one. Let's say a young, effeminate man walks into a church. Right. And says, I'm interested in what you guys are talking about here. What is the first thing people want to come at is his effeminate nature. And if he's gay, they'll say, okay, but before we get into this conversation, let me show you a thing or two, Sonny. Instead of leading them to the same Jesus that changed you, like, uh, why don't you let Jesus do the work in that young man's life and then stop being Jesus Jr. and just play the role that God would assign you not to assume that, okay, first things first, you know, stop wearing these colors, don't wear pink, uh, quit putting your hands like that, you know, talk, give some bass in your voice and you start, like those are scriptures and it's like, you know what I mean? Like there's a scripture that's like, and then Peter said to, you know, the church at Ephesus or whatever, Paul, man up, yeah, man up, put some bass in your voice, you know, <laughs> like it doesn't, it's not in the Bible. Like, and I'm not saying that people don't change. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm saying that we take on work before God even gets a chance to get to that person sometimes. And like, if I could be changed by God, why couldn't somebody else and why couldn't God like know better than us 
how somebody should actually be. I think another example is let's uh, let's say a young person of color, hip hop fan, you know, walks in with like you know pants sagging, baseball cap on, yes. maybe some gold chains. Yes. What's said to them? Well, pull up your pants. That's that's the first thing, right? Nobody wants to see that. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, it, what you're hitting on is is you know I had the opportunity. It was a great opportunity, and I'm going to say it right now to be. Uh, a youth leader for a while in a in a in a, in a diverse right. church and right. and uh, many many of these kids uh, that I, I you know I, I still love dearly one of them was John's son um, and uh, and I would get this lecture uh, from the older generation <laughs> almost every week hey hey Josh you know what you need to tell them to take the earrings out you need to tell them to pull their pants up you need them to te- you need to tell them to wear different clothes you need to tell them to stop listening to this music and my response would be the same over and over and over again what we're trying to change on the outside will not change the inside but the outside will change when the inside does and and we don't have we we this is the whole even when you go we keep going back even back to that movie but the whole point is like what we're putting out there Right, like if we think somehow we we we're gonna change everybody by making them act a certain way or right. look a certain way or fit a certain stereotype, as if if we got them all to. And this is what I kept saying back to these people. Okay, if we get them to take, all take their earrings out and all put on nice clothes, but they're still acting. Right, is that gonna change? Does, their... does, did we, did we win here? <laughs> well, yes, we won because now we feel more comfortable because you fit. This, the the image that we would like let's you be real, to fit. Some of the biggest gangsters in the world wear suits. Exactly. Like <laughs> they're well, not sagging pants. Let's be real. Some of the nastiest people in the world that do some of the nastiest things in the world don't show it. Yeah. And I mean, at least with the kids, I knew where they were at. You know, the the the, the scary part is all these people who have learned. To play the part, right? That, exactly. That is. Oh, I'm glad you and said the, that. That and, is a danger. And, and in secret, are doing all the stuff. That's a huge danger, though. I would you rather. You don't want them to become yeah, so good no. at playing the part. You actually want to see who they are, and then let them know, "I see you." Like I, I see you. I mean, why don't we? Why don't we um, wrap it up? I think with what would we say to millennials from this space? So you know, mm. let's, let's talk to this, you know. And, you know, we have focused mostly on in this episode, you know, um, millennials of color who are leaving the church and they're feeling like they don't fit. But maybe even the whole age generation, you know, in gener- like in general, because that, that statistic I pointed out at the beginning, the one in four, you know, millennials, they walk away from religion altogether. That's not uh, one race. That's actually, period, that age group. What are some things that we can say to that, millennial who is in church feeling like they don't fit and and being drawn out you know one thing i would say is one to recognize that what you're being drawn to is not like the alternative isn't this neutral space it's also an older space you know like um all over even in this article they talk about the fact that in lemonade you know beyonce there's a scene where she's representing the yoruba deity ocean and the, and the song Hold Up and then did a whole performance where she was showing this goddess. You know, the, there is actually like a, a bit of a marketing campaign being lodged against you to go into things that aren't well documented, that aren't, you know what I mean, that, that are, um, that you don't know where that, you don't know where that leads. There, there's no Bible to, to be able to read that would give you the truth of what that is. And it is a dangerous place to go to. So I would say, don't think that the safe place is actually outside of a good Christian community. 
Um, but now I get that the Christian community might not be perfect and you're also not perfect. So, you know, don't be so judgmental, you know, but like, <laughs> but, but I, I get that. I get that you might be in a flawed place. Now you may have to reevaluate the Christian community that you're in. Like, I'm not saying the church that you're in is perfect and that you shouldn't look for another one or look for a different community or a Bible study group or a lifeline of some sort. But just, I would say first off the bat, like the answer isn't necessarily just out in the whole world of spirituality. So that's one thing I would say. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that I have like a message for the millennial generation. Um, but how but would you I, advise I, a person I, that's trying I, I to wrestle through this? I guess this is what this is what I'm, I, I'm I see and, and I I feel when when I look at millennials when I talk to them, I feel like they're trying to get real. And, and, and the church specifically, let's just put it that way, has learned how to fake it really well. Mm-hmm. And we have all of these ideas and all these things that we say about God and about Jesus and all these things that we just become very uh, Christianity. Like, like We just know how to speak this Christian talk everywhere. Right. And I think they're looking for something real. And what I would like to say first and foremost is that God is real. And the apology that we need to make as, as a church is that we've, we've, we've made this a religion. Mm-hmm. God is a real personal God, and Jesus Christ is is real, and there's nothing more real than that. Um, and and I think that's the you know millennials are looking for an experience. They're looking for something that will that that will go beyond words. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and as a church, we've been a lot of words lately. And uh, I would just like to say the Christianity that you've been sold may not be the Christianity mm. that the Bible espouses, which is one of real action that really cares about social justice and really cares about inequality and really cares about these things that you are trumpeting, that you think are so mm-hmm. important. The church actually is supposed to be at the forefront of those discussions, of protecting those that can't can't protect themselves, of being a voice for the voiceless. That's actually what Christianity is supposed to be. That's what Jesus was. You know, he walked the, the earth calling out, you know, the hypocrisy of the church of his day right. uh, and, and, and reaching out to the people who needed him the most. And so um, what I would say is that instead of saying you don't fit the stereotype, maybe you could start to look at how you could start to walk in a way uh, that would create a new identity. Um, for maybe the church and for Christianity in your generation, and that mm-hmm. that is who Jesus would call you to be. Uh, it's not to have to leave the church, but rather to say there the church is bigger than what I've been told. Right, right, right. And um, I would add to that that like you are an individual, and I think that's important to acknowledge. Like you are not just one millennial, like. And you are nuanced. So one, in navigating alongside others your age to realize that you don't have to be one united pact, you know, uh, against the church. But also to understand that the church that you would be in is also full of individuals and not to also be so hard on people who are also like you and maybe now for a lot more years than you trying to do what is not easy to do, which is walk a life that is is uh, very contrary to what we always are are like you know what our what our our human nature would tell us to walk trying to walk by the spirit and not by the flesh it's not an easy thing to do so i think 
if you were to also look in your church and to even start to serve in a good church and just get to know those individuals. And I do find that people get to know each other better through service than just through talking. When you just talk to somebody, especially in a forum type setting, you get to know the person that they put out. You know, um, you get to know the stereotype they choose to be at that moment. You get to know the, the, the costume that they choose to wear. But when you are alongside somebody, um, especially in the church, you know, I would say you get to know who they are and you get to know the complexities of who they are. So I would say in, in you know, um, not to be apologetic for being a person who's nuanced, but also to leave room in the church for others to be like a, a full nuanced individual as well. Yeah, and you know, and there's that thing you know that goes around like you be the change, but the reality right. is that millennials, sorry guys, you got really good at at at, at pointing out all the things that are wrong and all the <laughs> right. things, all the things that the church should be doing. And I guess my encouragement is then do it. You know, uh, the church won't change uh, if if the people who see the change needs to take place don't initiate that change. Uh, so you know what, if there's an issue. Uh, there's something that needs to change, then you start that movement. Uh, let's move from from idea uh, to reality. Let's 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 move make that that that's a giant leap. Often that leap between what I see needs to change mm-hmm. and me being a part of that change. But that would be my encouragement: is to look yeah. and see and, and go that way. And if you do start that movement, like have the conversations and stay in the conversation. Don't just walk into the room and demand <laughs> that people listen to you. And if they don't do what you want to do, they reject you. It's like stay in the conversation, you know, uh, be be part of, you know, engaging the community that you're in. You know, none of us get to just demand our way or the highway in a in a in a valuable Christian community. It also disrespects the fact that there may be people in that community who are also wise and gifted. Uh, it doesn't say that you're not wise and gifted, but you're not the only person. Uh, so there's some humility there. But I would say, you know, have that conversation. And if somebody disagrees with you, don't end it there. Josh mentioned it earlier in the podcast. That's not the end of the conversation. Stay in it, you know, and, and be willing to sort of work it through. And you'll come up with something a lot better than what you can come up with on your own. And also something a lot more solid than what only people who are your age can come up with. Thank you for checking out the podcast so far. What do you think about it? Uh, what do you think about the article that we're talking about? What do you think about the movie? Have you have you seen Dear White People? And if you did, what was your takeaway? We'd love for you to join the conversation. You can do that on our social media pages. Uh, you can check us out at Sojourners Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook. You can also email us at the Sojourners Podcast at gmail.com. And feel free, you know, we, we, I apologize that these don't come out as regular as we'd like them to. Uh, right now, we're very self-produced. And uh, sometimes we just get slammed and the timing gets behind. But we endeavor to have these episodes come out more regularly. Uh, they take a lot of work because we're really working hard to bring really quality content and, and discussion to you guys. We don't just want to rush things out. So we, we try really hard to make sure that... We craft a beautiful, artistic, and meaningful podcast. If you want to know when the episodes come out, the best way to do that is to subscribe wherever you're seeing this this podcast, uh, on iTunes or on Google Play, on Stitcher, or on SoundCloud. 
And also, if you check check out our Facebook page or our social media pages, that you'll always see uh, when we're coming out with a new episode. So, please subscribe, follow us, and uh, and and pray for us that we get more regular at putting these out. Now we're going to jump back into the discussion, uh, but before we do, we're going to hear from uh, Millennial in an artistic way. His name is Day. Is you can follow him on Instagram at also known as Day. A very talented young poet and hip-hop artist. So check out this poem called Home. I love God. I like when me and him get to spend time alone. I like when I call, he answers faster than an iPhone. He holds me up, to be honest, he's my backbone. Thinking of his goodness makes me want to sing them high notes. See, I love God, but lately I've been dreading going to his house. The housekeepers are my favorite people. I've been singing the same songs in church since I was three years old. The same old songs in the same key. Praise 106.5, been playing the same five since 05. And quite frankly, I'd rather listen to Migos while I drive. They tell me the church is for everybody. I'm not so sure that's true. The youth pastors aren't really in tune with the youth. They don't talk about the things that we're going through. The culture is changing and we're the last to catch up. And they wonder why all the kids in church feeling stuck. Seems like the church only likes a certain kind of youth. See, I like Lecrae. And they like Hillsong. I like Kirk. They like Bethel music. And guess which ones I'm singing on Sunday. I don't feel welcome in the house I once called a home. So one thing we sort of touched on earlier in the show was this idea of, you know, for for people to really evaluate what they're going to when they leave a space of the church. Uh, and not in a sense to like, you know, um, make you just fearful and stay out of a place of fear. You know, like, you know, you walk out of those doors, you walk into the gates of hell. It's not really that, you know, that thing. But it is important to realize that, you know, um, there are different motives at play here. And so some of these images that we see and some of the some of the things you would see in music videos, you know, we talked about um, the Yoruba goddess uh, deity uh, being used in one of the Beyonce videos. And it's all over a lot of music. Like when you go in that direction, you know, for those who are feeling like, you know, they're, you know, not represented in the church or interested in looking at, you know, some of those other things. Um you're usually not the person that benefits at the end of that. There is a person that benefits from you buying in, from you buying that album, from you becoming a fan, from you buying all the concert tickets of that artist that every time they come in town, you just buy a ticket right away. You don't actually reap the rewards of that. And, you know, from 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 the, the things that you would see that show that, is your life getting better? Those are just questions I would ask. It's just um, that every alternative is not better. Uh, and you may be in the best spot for you, just maybe a challenging spot. I found that I um, had to wade through this uh, in my own sort of walk. But you know, before I introduce the song that we're gonna do, you know, I'll just kick that out to you, Josh, real quick. Like, you ever felt in that space, like, uh, 
been attracted to something outside of the church that that really when you really looked into it was like this is not actually better than what I ran away from. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's I don't know if I've ever really been in that space, but I've always been a very very critical kind of person. So maybe the way that I would look at it is that I, I when I did wasn't a part of the church, I really wasn't a part of anything because I just figured everything was bunk. You know, everything gotcha. was you're right, right. You know, everything sucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I think you're you're getting to the to the point of all this is let's not let's not you know get woke. Right. And then fall asleep under something else. <laughs> right, exactly. And yeah, I think, yeah, I think yeah, that yeah. really is really, I mean, if we're really saying it, that's what we're saying. We're saying, yeah, you're, you're, you're waking up to some of the discrepancies, some of the faults that are in the Western church. And that's not a bad thing, folks. That's a very good thing that the, we're waking up to some of these inconsistencies, hypocrisies, these things that don't line up with the gospel. Um, but let's not then fall asleep, be seduced by some other, you know, uh, ideas uh, just simply because they're not the church. Right. And then say, we, we woke up, you know, we woke up, so now we follow something else. Like, right. <laughs> and it, it can be automatic. You might think it's in, in that, you know, that like you're just sort of, you know, reading news or whatever and not realizing that there's actually being a narrative sold to you. And so right. for me, this song that I'm going to share comes from, I think when that happens, you have to actually say no. Sometimes out loud, just be like no. So for me, it was the the Kardashians. Like I, I just I had a hard time, you know. Like I was I was reading Yahoo News, and there was a really important story. You know, I can't remember what it was, but there was something about that was going on in the world. And then there were like three stories about different Kardashians, and I just was like, they are really trying to make me like make this family so important to my life. And it kind of works. We're mentioning them on this, you know, amazing podcast called the Sojourners Podcast. So I guess it kind of works. But, you know, in the sense of like, for me, I had to be like, like, you know, no, like, I'm sorry. Like, that is not, uh, I don't, I don't feel that. I don't feel like they're the representative of who I want to be or who I want my daughter to be. They're not the representative of who I'm attracted to. I don't want a woman who looks like Kim Kardashian. I know that's how we're all supposed to feel because, you know, everybody wants her butt or her this or and Kanye wants to say that he's got the best prize in the world. Hopefully for him that's true in their marriage. But I want Kanye to be happy with his marriage and I want to be happy with mine. So I actually was laying in the bed scrolling through this news feed and I literally was like, who cares? Like, no. And so this song I'm going to share is called Who Cares? And it comes from that space of realizing that there's a lot of things that, that pop culture and media are trying to make us care about. And it's just my way of saying, no, like there are things that I actually care about that aren't being presented, but I know where to find those, you know, I know where to go and seek after God. I know how to get on my knees and pray. I know how to get into the word of God, you know, you know, and get deeper and learn about those things that, that really do matter in the grand scheme of this life. Um, for the music nerds out there, I'll say that, you know, the, the, the way that I interpreted that musically was by trying to, to paint the scene of a musical desert. Uh, so even the, the harmonies that I use are Persian harmonies. Um, and the video, if you, if you were to go online and look up the video, there's a really great video shot for this song uh, by um, Dale Villawan, a filmmaker that I work with a lot. And he even uses desert imagery because it can be very lonely when you say no to what seems like a great alternative, but also don't feel like you fit where you are. 
And I often feel like that. If you listen to my music, it doesn't really fit a category. So I often feel like I'm in the crack. Uh, and it can be a lonely place. It can feel like you're in a desert. And then it's that idea that, but if I have God, I'm actually not alone. And if we're blessed to have one or even one or two people that are willing to step into that space with us, that's a blessing. So, you know, I hope this song does bless you. It's called Who Cares? And it's from my album, Caterpillar Chronicles, which is available on iTunes and Google Play and wherever music is sold. Who cares if you pop Chris? Got a rollie on the wrist, got a bottle at the crib. What your net worth is, no change. You talk dollars, but no cents. Know this, I don't care who the dope is, where the dope is. Nope, I don't wanna smoke this. Please note this, I don't care, mon frere. And I ain't gotta wear what you wear. You endorse this? Well, I ain't gotta sport this. I ain't gotta rep your click. And I don't want your chick. I got a wife, I call her the missus. No mistress, I dismiss. Anyone that says that I need more than one chick. Monogamous, that's it. Hey. If a brother make it rain in this place I challenge L one of you to hang a star in space If you bad, make the earth spin for a date, date, day. Make a system in the milky wait, wait, wait That's what I thought you can't, can't, can't So I don't care about your clever wordplay If you only using it to self-elevate, go deeper Worship you, no way, I can't, I shan't Won't do it, bro, 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 you a man What are you doing, yo, yo, homo sapiens So, 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 you got, hmm Nope, nope, nope. 